All right, here we go. Busta Media Podcast number three. It's Sunday, March 10th, right around noon. We're coming to you with breaking, we're going to call it NFL Hot Stove. Breaking NFL news. We get a nice news drop prior to the free agency period starting. And again, if you haven't heard about this yet and you're any bit of a sports fan, you're probably living under a rock or have some serious issues plugging into what's going on in mainstream media. Antonio Brown to the Raiders for a third and fifth round draft pick. Gruden strikes again. Gruden strikes again. Again, a player personnel decision. I have questions about. This gets the Raiders a little bit closer to a Super Bowl, in my opinion. I Let me just say this. Antonio Brown quit on his team last year. He is a quitter. I, If I was in a front office, I don't have any desire to reach out and get this guy. He's still going to put up numbers. He'll probably go out for 1,210 with a shit offensive team as it stands right now. People forget, who's the quarterback for Oakland right now? It'd be one Derek Carr. I don't have confidence in him. Nor do I. Now, you're getting, you gave up a third and a fifth for a rental. I, I think there's been worse deals made, right? There's been, there's been. Well, the fact that the fact that you got, I mean, the fact that you got Antonio Brown and kept all three of your first rounders, that's nice. I think the Raiders are, and when and when you say the Raiders are closer to a Super Bowl, incrementally, I would say yes, but it's kind of like starting at mile marker one hundred, and now you're at mile marker ninety seven. So like you're you're closer, but I still think that they're a terrible defensive team. They lack offensive weapons outside of Antonio Brown. And to your point. Antonio Brown has never been in an offense where he doesn't have a single other player within the unit that can threaten the defense. So, yes, he's great, and he will probably get numbers, but he's got a far worse quarterback than he's ever had. He doesn't have a running back like Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't have a receiver offside of him like a Juju Smith-Schuster he's, or an Emmanuel Sanders. He's a past. hired so, hand. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be good. Um, he'll get his stats. The Raiders are a better team today than they were before. However, and this is kind of, I think, I think the main focus of this whole thing, and we talked about it before we, we started recording, I think the biggest domino effect from this is not even on the field. It is now, did Antonio Brown just set a precedent for, the any, narrative changes. for any disgruntled superstar NFL player to take sort of like an NBA route now? Like, are we going to start seeing this more and more? Because the one thing the NFL has been great about is it doesn't have the same player empowerment to where like the NBA does where players just start tampering and forming super teams. The NFL hasn't done that. Did Antonio Brown just start Well, the that? tampering part is interesting or more so the player empowerment because let's not forget Antonio Brown was not a free agent. He signed a contract and he thought his value currently is more than what the contract stated he was going to make. That's the issue that I have. I don't want to go so far as to say that he's a piece of shit. Oh, I didn't say that. No, I don't know. I know you didn't say that. And I'm I'm not saying it directly, but what I am saying is that there's this narrative shift in the NBA and we see it now in the NFL of if guys believe that their open market value is higher than what they're under contract for, they're just going to put up a fight. And I think this story today with him being traded would not be nearly as big of a deal if he wasn't all over Twitter, if he didn't quit on his team in the last week, if he didn't create this 
hype around him that I, I'm out. I want to be out of Pittsburgh. It's a one-year deal. It's great. It's fine. Well, no, he got a new deal. They structured a new deal. How did they? I'm I'm, sure. I'm, this, I think he got like to me. Well, this part's tricky. So this part, like, I don't think everybody's as aware of. But I didn't really know the details till this morning. Apparently, like the Raiders restructured his deal, gave him like thirty million guaranteed. That's so how the, long is he in Oakland then? I don't know the like the terms, but that's the part that's scary. Is like not only did he force his way out of Pittsburgh, but he actually like got he did an extension. get paid then. Okay. Yeah, like he was able to totally formulate his entire. I mean, I don't think everybody was fully aware of it until this morning like because the stories were still coming out but because it was breaking late last night right so i i don't know that the exact we need detail, to get chef in here yeah we don't have an nfl insider for bustle we need a yet. cap we guy have, we need a trade guy and yeah, we're just a reactionary bunch at this point but i i don't know the exact details but he basically was able to it's kind of like a kid at toys r us with his parents you know you want a toy and they say no so you Makes basically just you just like Hold your breath, close your eyes, and stop your feet until you get your your way. And that's basically what Brown just did. And in the NFL, that's like in the NBA, that's been catered to that sort of behavior. In the yeah. NFL, it never has. Bro- Antonio Brown just changed the narrative there. And the view from Vegas is nothing. They have not changed the Raiders Super Bowl odds at all, no. which not surprising to me. No. So it, something to talk about. The NFL is king. If there was any question about it. They make news all the time. It's the off season where the league year hasn't even officially started yet, and we got player movement, we got the combine, we have yeah. draft talk. NFL is king. But well, football never stops. But we're in March now, baby. We are. So let's this is the uh, first pod in March. March Madness. We have some conference tournaments underway. Uh, we saw Murray State won their conference, so this that means big. we will get. We will get John Morant in March Madness. And from 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 a gambling standpoint now, we don't know where Murray State is going to be seated. But you got to remember, in a one-and-done situation with a talent like him, they have a puncher's chance in a first-round game. So, the, so that's a team already that if there's – I guarantee they're going to be a sexy underdog in the first round. Yeah, and depending I'm, – I'm, I'll pull up Lenardi's bracketology. The, for me, what I look at My is – My guess is they're, they're 12 somewhere, through 15. I would actually no. I would actually go a little bit higher than that. Really? Yeah, I'll bring it up. But the reason I say that is because historically, teams that have one great player can make runs, or at least are capable of making runs. And Gonzaga is a team that has done it for a long time. But if you have a player like Morant, who his draft status I think is already locked in, he's going to be top a lottery pick, a hundred percent. But this can sort of when when legacy gets talked about, this is something where you can cap that. And you don't need to necessarily win the tournament, but you bring that team. No, but you drop somebody and you 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 upset one person, you know, one team or maybe a couple rounds. I I completely agree. And I'll tell you another thing. If they go higher, if you're right on that and they get they get an eleven or a ten seed and they match up against a middle of the pack power five team, you know? They they they, 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 they match up against a Wisconsin, Wisconsin or something like that. They can one hundred percent win one of those matchups. So I actually think that's really, uh, really interesting in terms of uh, you know the fact that we're like I said the good thing is we're going to get a John Morant sighting um, lottery pick. I mean he's locked in in the top four. He will go in some form of order with the three Duke kids. Um, it's just a matter of where. Hopefully it's the Bulls. I actually I watched Morant a lot lately and I think he's a great fit for the Bulls. So. That would be a great pick. And I think the Bulls are going to end up at fourth, so I, I like that. 
Um, let's stick with college basketball. We're going to do a quick rundown. Um, there was a lot of things that happened in the last few days that you found interesting, starting with, I know you want to talk a little Jayhawks. Yeah, Kansas is so. dead. Kansas is dead. Bill Self. I, this is the funeral of the Kansas Jayhawks the Big 14, 12 the run. The 14 years is over. Uh, winter has come. And I got to tell you, I, I, talk, I think I've talked about this team every single episode so far. Texas Tech, it, to me, is one of these teams that is not sexy. They don't play a sexy version of basketball. They're very defensive. But lately, they've been scoring. The, the points per game is up. Their wins are quality. It's them in Kansas State right now for the Big 12 title. And I think they're going to end up splitting because they both won out yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. So Texas Tech, to me, is the most... That you want to go into the tournament on a high, right? You want to sort of have that momentum going forward. Sure. Texas Tech, to me, is a team that fits it perfectly. They haven't been leading the entire year. They don't have a whole bunch of hype around them. But Chris Beard and what he's done with that team specifically, I am so high on. The other thing is, and if you pay attention to the nightcap, Monday and Thursday nights, 9 p.m. at Boston Media Instagram Live. There's a plug. That was subtle, though, right? Yeah. I, I oh, sort of snuck it in. Very, very I, subtle. I, I, it was I'm, subtle until I just said that. that. Thank you. We talked about the, the other breaking news in the college basketball world. Will Wade, the head basketball coach at LSU, on wiretaps allegedly engaging in a pay-for-play transaction with a, a third-party broker. I Go watch the video. It's up on the YouTube channel. Got another plug in there. You saw how I did that. Go to the YouTube channel. The video's up there. LSU, up until this news, was another team. Probably going to win the SEC regular season, right? Having a bunch of momentum. I think they play a version of basketball that's durable in the tournament. They, they're not reliant on the three, which I'm always, always worried about. See, LSU was like one of my favorite. Like before this news obviously took focus, LSU was one of my teams that I was going to pinpoint as an early round exit. Really, I had LSU as like a three or a, a three or a four seed that could get dropped. You know, we talk about those fourteen three matchups. Those right. four. We're going to get into one matchup. We're going to highlight here in a minute. We're going to break down the thirteen versus the four. Yes, um, and some betting trends. We're going to get to that here in a second. I I actually had LSU pegged as one of those teams just because they don't like. I believe in tournament experience. I believe in tournament pedigree, especially from a coaching perspective. Now, Will Wade's not coaching anyway. Right, but LSU is a team that. This is unfamiliar territory for them, as it is for Tennessee. So Tennessee's another team, in my opinion, that could go down early. Um, I like Rick Barnes, that, though. Rick Barnes, to me, is a guy who does he, have yeah, tournament yeah, experience. Yeah, he, he had a good run at Texas and has had some um, has had some success. But before we get into the the four versus thirteen seed breakdown, let's mm-hmm. let's do a. We have to touch on it's the biggest rivalry in college basketball. We got to do a quick hit on it. it happened last night. Two UNC sweeps Duke. Two and zero. Duke just. Not once did North Carolina play a full-strength Duke, though. Not one time. Uh, and like Roy no, Williams said, the you'll take game, it. Right. You'll take it. But not only that, but who went down last night? So they didn't have Zion. And then another guy, I don't know, I don't know his name. I don't know, but I'll tell you what. RJ they, Barrett had a horrible game. Do you think his draft stock is I think it has. And I was, I was pretty high on him, and it yeah. has gone down. Duke is still. They're getting Zion back, it sounds they, like. So they will. Come uh, tournament time. Let's just let, let's do a hypothetical. You got Virginia playing Duke, okay? I take Duke every time. Really? Yeah, because they've already swept them, and just the, it's a bad matchup for Virginia. 
it, it is a bad They can't go point. bucket for bucket with those guys. But Vir- Virginia, they beat the shit out of North Carolina the first time they met. It, it's one of those things, A equals B, B equals C, then A must equal C. It hasn't worked out with Virginia and Duke because Virginia has pretty much destroyed the rest of the ACC competition. Duke has had games against Wake Forest, against Syracuse, where they have not looked good at full strength. What do you say? My, what, my, what's my, my problem with Virginia, here's my problem with Virginia. They're a defense first team. Okay. Right. They're offensively a limited team. They have a couple guys that can hit threes, but they're a limited team offensively. That's the that's the wrap on them, right? Right. In postseason basketball in the tournament, really good offensive teams will play better defense because of what's on the line. You're going to get better defensive efforts from teams that are offensively talented. So my point is, and and, and again, to even go further off of that, when you're in these one and done type games where crazy things happen, Virginia could run up against a team that shoots the lights out and has one of those games. We saw UMBC do it, and they can't overcome that because they don't have the offensive firepower. See, Duke can have one of those games where they run up against somebody who's hitting shots. Let's say they're going up against a 14 seed that's playing out of their ass or something like that, and they're in, they, they're in a tough game. Okay. They have the offensive weapons to go blow for blow and withstand a team's best punch. From an offensive standpoint, if Virginia runs up against a team that shoots forty-two percent from three in a game, makes fifteen threes, maybe maybe a Villanova. Yeah, they're going to be in trouble because they are not built to win a bunch of high-output offensive games. So that's my problem with defense-first teams in March Madness. I, I hear you on that, and it's a, it's a totally fair point. But what wins is a good offensive team that rises to the occasion defensively when they need to. Yeah, and they don't fit that bill. No, they don't. Right, so that's my problem with Virginia. Yeah, but to the just to to wrap up the this point, if you run up against a team who's capable of going 45 percent from three, it's it's like you and a hot goaltender. It it's, it might happen, and you just gotta you gotta tip your cap. It's sports. Yeah, it, it's gonna happens, happen. Yeah. Now you hope that you have some other other strategies that you know you dirty it up, you get into the bonus, and you, you muck up the game such that you don't have to worry about a forty percent shooting team. But it may happen. Uh, the other team, quickly that I wanted to mention, Purdue wins the Big Ten regular wins season. Wins a share. Um, that is a team if you want to look at a first round upset. Big yes, time, yes, big time. Could not agree because they are Carson Edwards or bust. Yeah, now he's a and he is a and great he'll, he'll, player. Dude, he'll he'll, he'll, he'll lose him a game. Yeah, because he'll shoot seven of twenty eight and they'll they'll lose a game yep. because of him too. So it's that yep. Purdue is a team, and we're going to talk about it more. We have we're going to be able to do one more podcast before March Madness starts. Yes, we're going to cover. By that. the way, can I t- can I talk about something? I was complete. I took next week off. I put it in for vacation Thursday, thinking, Friday, yeah. but. It's, you took conference Thursday. I took Thursday, conference Friday. Thursday, Idiot. Friday off. Rookie mistake. I, and up until two days ago, I was telling people, like, oh, I can't wait. First round games next. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, wait, the, the Big Ten conference tournament hasn't even started. And I'm, uh, it, was, it was really upsetting. Are you able to swap it? I, to be determined. Okay, next we'll show, see. I will let you know what the outcome is. But okay. next week's podcast, I, we will just put that out there. Next week's podcast will be a full NCAA tournament show. We're going to be focused entirely on that the whole way through. We might sprinkle in some other things, but if we'll you're have looking a pretty for, good idea of what the bracket will it, look like. Yeah, at that point if you're well. looking for a full breakdown of of the tournament from that perspective and the gambling side, we're going to cover it in that show. But we're going to give you a little small taste right now. We are going to look at quickly two of the very popular first round seeding matchups where there's been some good action and some good upsets. We're going to look at 
the four versus the 13. Yeah. And then we're going to inverse that, the three versus the 14. So why don't you first start by telling everybody four seed versus 13 against the spread? The number four, the number 13 seed, I'm sorry, is seven and five in the last three years. Yeah, which the, the point that I want to bring up, and we're isolating this matchup to prove the point, is behavioral betting. So many times people bet what they want to see or bet what their heart tells them, the, the team that they would rather win. And what you have to worry about is the, the number, the spread. More likely than not, the higher seed will win, right? But against the number is what we're talking about here. And the lower ranked seed, the 14 in this case, has gone seven and five in the last three tournaments. What that tells me is people are hesitant to blindly bet the, I should say they are more ready to blindly bet the favorite on the number, which to me, you can't do because if you're catching, perfect example, let's say Murray State gets a, a 14. It, it might happen. And you get LSU. Okay. You're gonna be you're gonna be catching eight, nine, ten points possibly, maybe seven and a half on the low end. I'll take Murray State getting seven and a half. I might sprinkle the money line. I might do a little salt bay on them. Oh. But it proves the point that you can't you can't just look at okay, well they're the fourteen, the three should win by 15, 16, 17. No, I, I agree. Slower games in the tournament. It's much more pressure. It's pressure and you don't want to give up the booty. That shooting form's a little tighter. You're thinking a little bit more about every decision you make with the ball. I think there's, I mean, anyone who's been an athlete, even on the lower levels, nerves are a thing. They are. Especially when you're in a one and done. So let me ask you this, though, from a, from a gambling perspective, when you see how effective these 13 seeds, when you look at these matchups like 5-12, the 12s have had a lot of success outright. Mm -hmm. 13 has had a lot of success outright. Mm -hmm. When you have these kind of matchups to take these 12, 13, and 14 seeds with five points or more as a spread. Yeah. Is it almost one of those things where it's like, how do you not do it? The well, value of it, for example, sure. I mean, because you're seeing, you see the trend. I mean, now any year could be different. There could be a year where chalk dominates. It could happen. 16 and 17 did. chalk dominated. Right. So, I mean, from your perspective, for someone who's thinking about betting on the tournament, maybe for the first time, and they hear all these trends and patterns about these 13 seeds, these 12 seeds performing well, is it almost a no-brainer to take them if you're getting six, seven, eight-point spreads? I hear what you're saying. I I say this a lot. It's game-independent. So you specific. do have to look up matchup-specific. But I think there are a lot of amateur betters. And I don't mean amateur as a knock. What I mean is someone who, who has less than 500 wagers under their belt total. They don't sometimes have that fortitude to be able to take a seven-point dog in the NCAA tournament because... It could be that recent history has shown chalk ends up covering more often than not, at least in the last two years. But also, use that to your advantage. You're going to see some crooked numbers in the tournament, and it's going to be on teams that if, you, if you've watched some of the mid-majors or some of the, the middle-of-the-pack Power 5 teams, you can catch a crooked number. If, if I see Murray State at anything above 7.5, that I'm pounding. And it really doesn't matter who the matchup is, but seven and five is not, you're not, if that's a trend or something you're going to follow and bet every time, it's not profitable. But what it shows you is that if you can isolate those matchups and find a team that's catching a little bit, a couple too many points, that's when you need to capitalize. Don't blindly bet the favorite. Doesn't I agree. Matter. And another thing that I've had it's success tough, with, Jeff. and yeah, it is, it is. The one, but the one thing that I've done well, I've had two real things when I fill out a bracket and bet that I always follow. Number one, I stay away from 8, 9, and 7, 10 because 
historically, those are matchups between two major teams from major conferences that are very even. You're talking similar records. I mean, in eight versus nine, the biggest difference is who's wearing the home white. I mean, so those matchups I like to stay away from, and they're hard to pick in a bracket. Now, I, I believe, I don't know if we have the exact numbers, but I do think that 10 is very successful versus 7, more so than 8 versus 9. I'll have but, to look it up, but yeah, but it sounds... those kind of matchups, and the other thing I always like is I like looking at 6. Now, when you look at 6 and 11, 6 seeds tend to be sometimes mid-major teams or like a team from the Atlantic 10, like a Providence or a Rhode Island that might be good, but they haven't played a lot of people. And then they play an 11 seed like a Syracuse one year that is battle-tested. Look at those kind of matchups as potential upsets. And it can also flip-flop. You can get an 11 seed from a mid-major conference that's very strong versus a middle-of-the-pack ACC team that's had an up-and-down year. So you you got to sort of, like you said, matchup-specific, but... Those when you look at each different matchup, the eight nines, the six elevens, there's trends within all those, and we're gonna break all those down. But yeah, everybody kind of has, everybody kind of has patterns that they use over the course of their bracket pools, their betting in the past that work, don't work. So everybody kind of formulates their own, their own formula based on that. But again, we're gonna get we're gonna get more in tuned with college hoops as we go. And the four thirteen, just as a, as a quick wrap up, is five and five. Right. Um, so there, again, you, you it, all that's telling me is that. Five of those times, the underdog, the 13 in this case, covered. So don't blindly bet the favorite on the number. You want to take them on the money line and lay three, four dollars? You can do that, but there's not much value there, first off. And secondly, you're susceptible to a year where two out of the four 13s win, like in 15. So wrapping that up, I would say as we get closer to the tournament, we're going to get a lot more clarity of who is getting that momentum going into March Madness. And utilize that to your advantage when you look at a seed less than an eight. And we'll go from there. Absolutely. All right, we're going to enter in our segment where we span the sports globe. Quick hits on all the other major leagues. A few topics that we're going to briefly discuss back and forth just so we cover everything. So we're going to span the sports globe starting with the NBA. Our quick rundown. Your thoughts, LeBron James scoring title versus the Lakers uh, just horrible season. Your thoughts in general. Bad visual. Mm. Bad visual. Uh, top four scores in NBA history now have all scored their last point with the Lakers. It's it's unfortunate. I think if he had done this in Cleveland, there would be a lot more gravity to it. But what's going on in L.A., I, it, it's ugly. It just is. I think and I, I'm not going to change my mind on this. What, what happened at the deadline was embarrassing. With him Definitely. and with Magic and with what was going on with New Orleans, embarrassing. So... Great achievement, and he'll more likely than not end up the scoring champion. He's got five more years in him. I think he has to average 20 per year to, to achieve it. He'll achieve it. It's just, it was a sad, it was a sad thing. It, it was bad. I think if you actually take a step back and use your basketball common sense, this isn't really that shocking. No, I don't think the Lakers, happen. I don't think the Lakers' young core is really all that good to begin with, and... LeBron is only getting older. He had his first major injury this year. He missed 18 games. Yeah. So, I mean, are they going to sign some big dude? They're probably going to get Davis. They're going to make some adjustments. They'll bring in bigger fish, and they'll be better. But I, I really – I think people just assume when you add LeBron. I think this is funny because we always used to say about LeBron that, hey, he's so good. If you put him on the worst team in the league, he would instantly make them this much better playoff team. We've Now, now it's the West. But we've now seen that that's not, not necessarily the case. He so. did it with Cleveland. Right. Quick hitters. New Orleans, on hold on. New Orleans, by the way, in lieu of this Anthony Davis situation, has beaten Denver and Utah. 
the past week. That's what I was going to get to. You got two teams in the NBA that you want to hit on from a gambling perspective. New Orleans. Who's the other one? The other team that I like be the Motor City. The Motor City, Detroit. All of a sudden, climbing up the Eastern stand, uh, Eastern Conference standings, uh, doing it a lot like Indiana, who's sticking around in that three seed. They're winning ugly. They're playing good basketball. The four five. If everything holds true, that uh, the four five will be the the best first round matchup in NBA history. Oh yeah, I can't wait. You got Boston, Philadelphia. No love lost. What go? What the Kyrie Irving thing is is so fascinating to me because they've on they've been on a little bit of a run here. They beat Golden State, which they always do. It doesn't matter. It's not a. It doesn't. It's not an indicator of anything larger than that. But some of the comments that he's made, and we've discussed them on previous podcasts. He wants out, and and I, I, I even if they make a commitment to go out and sign a big time free agent to Boston, I think Kyrie does not want to be there. There's this weird sentiment thing going on with LeBron. I think he does want to get back with LeBron at some point. But that 4-5 matchup would be awesome. I think Boston's entire future is going to be predicated on this postseason run. I think this postseason run is crucial. They get to the finals, he might stay. If, he, if, if they have a good playoff run, we'll, it, just, it just all depends. For me, it all depends on the postseason run for Boston. I think they are the most in-flux team in the Eastern Conference, though, right now. It's so weird. The East is still up for, up East for grabs. East is still very much up for grabs. Next quick hitter, Bryce Harper. Your thoughts, $330 million. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> That's what he's saying. $330 million, the largest sports contract in North American history. Um, he'll be 39 when the deal's done in Philadelphia. Does this make the Phillies closer to winning a World Series? They were already a team that had a, had a put together some nice young assets. They came on a little bit last year. Um, but we all know how baseball works. Baseball is the one game where you can have a stacked lineup and lose 80 games. It's just a weird game. It's, it's the one game where one player can only impact so much. Bryce Harper is only going to be at the plate three to four times a game. Mm-hmm. And if a ball isn't hit to right field, he's not doing anything. He's a subpar defensive player anyway. So it's one of those things where could can you can you be upset with the move? Probably not. But I also don't. You're not smarter than every other team. Why is it that that there were so many teams in Major League Baseball that weren't yeah. willing to? There 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 are people who are like a Theo Epstein. People were pissed that the Cubs didn't talk to him. Theo Epstein's a smart guy. It doesn't fit their system. And, 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 and baseball is one of those sports. I mean. I think that, remember when the Angels put up like broke the bank for that pools? wasn't yeah that was did that's they a even, different did contract, they ever though. make the playoffs? No, they didn't. Mike Trout's the best player in the world, and the Angels can't even sniff the playoffs. So it's like the Phillies were a team that was on the rise anyway, so it's a good contract. It's not a good contract, but it's a good addition. It's exciting. And if he's able to talk Mike Trout into coming over in a year, that might be the most valuable thing he provides the Phillies franchise. Yeah, and if the $330 million is a big number, but ultimately if you win a championship, and I think all you need to do is win one. If you win one championship, it was worth it. That's what Cubs fans say. That's what we feel like. But you got coach, you got coach Avocado Toast. I, I'm not quite sure if he is. Will he be the manager when the Phillies make it to a World Series? I'm not convinced. I don't think he's understood the nuances of handling handling a pitching staff. And uh, we're talking about Gabe Kapler. Um, I, I don't know if he will be the the coach when they make a run in the playoffs. What, what more can you say? You got paid. Hey, don't everyone. This, this, this was happening. I always thought that managers in baseball, the fact that they wear a uniform, is kind of unique. What if that translated to other sports? 
Like what if like what if Jim Boylan was out there in home whites when the Bulls played? He's got shorts and the tank on. Or if Nagy was Tough in look. shoulder pads and a helmet. Tough luck. I just think it's weird how in baseball you wear the uniform. Very it's kind strange. Of a Joe, Ma- Joe Madden rocks it, though. He looks good. Well, he just wears the fucking hoodie. Yeah. He doesn't even wear Like You never see him with the jersey on. All right, we got two more stops on the quick hitters. Hockey. You have a team right now, and if you're a hockey fan, you're aware of the run that they're on. Let's talk a little capitals. Defending champs. Defending champs, 6-0 and straight up in their last six. If you bet them on the puck line. Explain the puck line. The puck line is the... Hockey equivalent of the spread. So the money line, again, is just who is going to win. The puck line, it's normally one and a half. Actually, I think it's always exclusively one yeah, and a half. That's how Which means works. you need to win by two goals in order to win that bet. They are four and two in their last uh, in those last six. Now, they've faced some really bad competition. It was New Jersey and Ottawa, I think, twice. And you're not getting much value on the puck line, probably somewhere around even money. But the run that they are on, they're slowly creeping back into the conversation about making a run. I still hold that if Tampa Bay doesn't win the cup, it's a travesty. It, it needs to be investigated. They are by far the most dominant team in the league. But there's some Western Conference teams that... East, Eastern Conference. No, there are some Western Conference teams... Oh, please. That I, I, Winnipeg? Winnipeg's tough if they get home ice. San, San Jose? Vegas South. Vegas has slowly made it... It's, a, it's messy, but again, hockey is one of the... Sports where Random just because you get in, go off a skate, a hundred percent. All you I mean, gotta do is get the tournament. Washington All you gotta do is get the tournament. Yeah, so. you gotta have a, as Theo Epstein, the god, as he says, spins at the wheel. You have just make the playoffs and you get another spin at the wheel. Yep, variance trumps everything. Yep, I, I agree with the Tampa thought. I just think you know Eastern Conference is gonna be such a tough playoff. I mean, the Islanders to too. Well, I mean, they are a great defensive team. They can't yeah. score. But if you run but into a team that are Tampa Bay could Tampa Bay like if you look at the the wild cards in the East right now are the Blue Jackets and the Penguins, Tampa Bay might play Pittsburgh in the first round as a wild card too. So you so think about it. Matchup. Tampa Bay's road to out of the East could be first round matchup with the Penguins, then followed by the winner of Toronto and Boston, then, and then the Washington. Yeah, that is a hell of a road to go down. So Murder's we'll rough. see what happens. But NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs. Once we get done with March Madness, those right are right around the corner. So we're getting into a good part in the uh, sports calendar. Final thought of the podcast, UFC last night. Junior Dos Santos knocks out Derek Lewis. Your thoughts on that? His balls were not as hot last night. Greatest quote by a UFC fighter. Ever. 100%. Might be, might be one of the best fame. sports quotes of all time. It could be. It's up there. Um, no, it's, Derek Lewis did look good. Uh, they exchanged shots throughout the fight. Junior Dos Santos has shown, though, over his last three fights, he's on a three-fight win streak now, that he is still a top-notch competitor in the heavyweight division, a heavyweight division that has been barren of talent for a long time, short of Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. I'm still high on Derek Lewis, and because of who he is, he is going to still get fights that will put him in contention. I think what he needs to do is... Focus on the other aspects of his game. And he's mentioned this before. He is not one of these athletes who does not want to stray from his strength, which is swinging. But he's he's acknowledged that he does need to get better and that he just he wasn't ready for the title shot when it happened. And Junior DeSantos is a guy who has 40 fights under his belt. Right. If you have areas of your game that are not as strong as others... JDS is going to expose them, and he did last night. So uh, I think the next fight for juniors, probably a title shot. I think it should be. Uh, I'm not the matchmaker, but if I was in that position, I think he gets a title shot. 
the other thing that I wanted to mention is the, the card last night was on ESPN Plus. And for a big UFC fan, I love that it's now you can watch it and you don't have to pay the 60 bucks for the pay-per-view. I still think the pay-per-views, $60 is worth the price of admission. But with the big ESPN deal, with the WME partnership, with Ari and Dana running the show, it is going to open up a lot of eyes of just casual people that just leave ESPN on. They're going to be exposed to it. And I'm really excited about that. We have some yeah. big fights coming up this month, this entire month. Free cards on ESPN. Yeah. ESPN Plus is awesome if you're a hockey fan like me that lives outside of the market of your favorite team. You know, I live in Illinois and I'm a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. I got to watch Jackets Penguins streaming it. This, this, then you get to cast it on your TV, dude. Yeah, and it's, smart it's TV good casting. quality. Four bucks a month. If you like, it, four bucks a month is a steal. It's dude, you put that on your credit card, you don't even notice. How many? How many? This is a good question. How many? I wonder what the average like for eighteen to thirty-five year olds. I wonder how many, on average, a person has of these pay. Subscription things like Netflix, Hulu, ESPN, Spotify. Probably a disgusting amount. And probably I think like there what, are 10 to 12? very high level executives within those companies that know that information. The subscription model yeah. is a great model. It is. It is 100% as well. uh, So if yeah. you don't have it, we'll give, them a, we'll give them a little endorsement. ESPN Plus. Go subscribe. <sighs> no free ads, but click the link in our bio to sign up and we'll get a cut of it, right? Do we have that? Don't, we don't, don't have that set up yet. I don't yet. think that's how that, it, that how comes it works. After, but speaking yeah. of streaming, you know, my final thought before we sign off here is. Uh, Want everybody to enjoy conference tournament basketball now. College Hoops gets into its best uh, time of the week. And for everybody who has day jobs that you don't really care about, I wish everyone the best of luck in getting their CBS streaming networks ready on their phone and find a way to find that proxy sneak, service. sneakily sit in your cube and stream those basketball games at 2 o'clock in the afternoon while you're at your desk doing work. Hope everybody has a good week. Um, and is able to do that without getting fired. And make sure to take off the correct week if you are taking off right. to watch it right. as well. Final thought from the CEO. This was the third podcast. We appreciate everyone who, who is listening and subscribing already. We have some big stuff on the way. If you haven't tuned into the Nightcap, every Monday and Thursday night, 9 p.m. on the Instagram page. And check out the YouTube channel, Boston Media. We're going to be putting up more videos there. There may or may not be a guest appearance from uh, a, a very sharp better over the next week or two. So stay tuned as we get closer to March Madness. That's it. Everybody enjoy the rest of their weekend. Boston Media.